Episode number 37, Clearing the Hayes Virtual Summit Speaker Profile with Chuck Marting. Keeping today's workplace drug-free should not be confusing. This is the Clearing the Haze podcast, giving you the tools you need to most effectively address drug and alcohol use and decreased productivity in the workplace while investing in your positive company image. Now, here's your host, Chuck Marting. Welcome to episode number 37 of Clearing the Haze. I'm your host, Chuck Marting, and this week we have a special guest, Mr. Troy Evans, who will be here as our interviewer today. And yes, he's interviewing me (laughs) for the uh, Clearing the Haze Virtual Summit, Unmasking the Marijuana Camouflage. So Troy and I have been friends for quite a while. Our families have um, been together for quite a while. So only made sense to have somebody interview me that's uh, known me quite a bit, especially with uh, having been in law enforcement, worked together. We were partners, uh, went through the schools and everything. So he may have some insight in interviewing me that a lot of other people would not have. So, Troy, welcome to the podcast. And uh, now you get to be on the opposite side of this and get to be <laughs> the one firing questions at me. That's right. Well, thank you for the, uh, the opportunity to interview you. Um, yes forward to it. So what for those of you that, you that don't know, as far as the history goes with, with Chuck and I, uh, Chuck and I used to be uh, partners in law enforcement eons ago and got to know each other very well and made sure to keep each other safe on, on every day out on patrol. So uh, we do have quite the history with each other. And it's, it's appropriate that we are doing this interview on clearing the haze regarding marijuana based on <laughs> all the enforcement we used to do. Yes. Um, that being said, I, I, I think that what's interesting, what I'm going to be curious to hear about from you, obviously, is, is your perspective and certainly uh, your perspective looking at that kind of tr- transition from when Amendment 64 came down to now and the changes that you have seen in your profession now. So can can get us into that and tell us number one about how you started your business, why you started your business, obviously, certainly important, and kind of what it's translated to now in terms of the marijuana enforcement piece. Awesome, okay. Well, this is kind of weird being the one that's being interviewed, I'm telling you, so it's kind of different. you know, when we were in law enforcement, I was I was a uh, drug recognition expert. That was one of the things that I really enjoyed uh, doing when I was in law enforcement, mainly because, you know, I always liked uh, the drug interdiction stuff, the DUI stuff, uh, for a number of reasons. One, my mom was almost killed by a drunk driver, and so that really uh, had an impact on me and in an area that I wanted to kind of... Um, focus on in law enforcement was to try and prevent something like that from happening to somebody else. Um, So then when I got into law enforcement, I was really good at doing that kind of stuff. And I really wanted to do undercover stuff, do some narc stuff. But uh, at that time, my wife and I had our first son and he was little and uh, she was already terrified 
you know, with what I did and, and not knowing if I was going to come home the next day. And I just really didn't want to put her through that. So the DRE thing was, was the next best thing for me. And I, I can tell you something, I really enjoyed it. And it was, I think a little, a little bit more impactful and was a lot more meaningful. And, uh, that led into working some graveyards that we worked, <laughs> uh, looking for those DUIs. And, and I did quite well with that and ended up getting a, an award through Mothers Against Drunk Driving. So that was good. Um, but then later on, I, I wanted to be a motor officer. I started looking at doing that. And then I was approached by uh, one of the commanders wanting to put me in the schools and uh, because they had some drug issues there and they really felt the skill set that I had would be very beneficial to the schools and having me in there. Um, so I left you on graveyards for a little bit and then uh, there was another opening and we got you in the schools too. So then, uh, you know, I had the middle school, you had the high school, so we still got to go back and forth and, and deal with these kids. And, um, it was interesting to me that, you know, these schools are like their own little city within themselves with all the different things that are going on. And we found that there were, there was quite a bit of drug issues and, and things like that going on in the schools that we were able to identify that a lot of other people weren't able to. And, um, in the process, I think you picked up quite a bit of this stuff with impairment and stuff and working with me and, and teaching you stuff. And so we got really good at doing this stuff. Um, and what led up to the business? Well, I, you know, one of the things I told Stacy when my wife Stacy before um, I got into law enforcement is that if I were to get into law enforcement, I would only do it for 20 years. I didn't want to put her through too much. And so she was happy about that. But I ended up, uh, deciding after I had a, a, a DU, DUID or driving under the influence of drug arrest one night. And while we were going through stuff in, in the jail and this guy was getting amped up, he was already amped up anyway, but he was getting more so amped up because he was going to miss his drug test for his pre-employment uh, uh, drug test for his employer's new job. And he was going to lose his job. And I, and I asked him, I said, well, why don't you just reschedule it or have have a mobile collector meet you or something. And he goes, well, they don't do that. And so the light bulb kind of went off and I started looking into it and found out that at least where I lived, there was nobody within a hundred mile radius that was doing anything like that. So we looked more into it and uh, Stacy and I went ahead and uh, started this business. And as we began to start it, it was uh, the community college that had a, um, course on business plans. And, and so we felt that in order to find out if this was a viable business opportunity to go through this and uh, come up with a business plan and see if it's going to work. And so that's what we did. And uh, with your background in English and grammar and stuff, I, I got you roped into looking over my business plan, making sure it sounded good instead of like a third grader wrote it. And uh, we uh, went through it and, and I ended up uh, not only giving a successful business plan, but we found out that it was a very viable business, even so that I ended up uh, winning $8,000 to get the business started. So that was, that was great. And then uh, before I retired, we figured, well, we need to get at least a little bit of money coming in. And when it got to the point where occasionally my wife was making more in a couple hours than I was in a whole day, we decided, well, it might be time to decide whether we're going to really go into this and, and move this business and make it grow and make it work or if we're going to move on and do something else. So 
that's how we got started with this. And, you know, what, eight years later and two offices open and um, uh, a pretty good sized client list that keeps growing and stuff. It's, it's been an adventure. And I always said that I could write a book about the things that I saw in law enforcement. And after starting this business and doing this and being involved with employers, I can tell you, I could probably write a sequel. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah, no, I, I would definitely agree with that. With, and, and, you know, I was sitting there thinking to myself in, in terms of that, that transition piece that you talked about, it, I think it's important for the audience to understand that, that mindset going from a law enforcement mindset into, you know, that, that drug test collection mindset. And especially as, as it pertains to, you know, marijuana use, and what you've seen, you've seen obviously quite a bit of change just in the last couple of years. You've had some significant opportunities to go outside the state to talk about uh, kind of the legalization of marijuana and how it's going to affect governments, how it's going to affect the states as a whole, and kind of the opening of the Pandora's box um, in a sense. How have you seen things change in your industry alone, just in the drug test collection industry, what changes have you seen? And, and they change all the time, but as of late, what have you seen? Well, that's a, that's a very good question, Troy, because we're seeing a lot of different things that kind of led up to us doing this summit. And a lot of that is, is just the ever-changing legalization laws and ordinances and things that are being passed. And I mean, a perfect example is we're sitting here dealing with the COVID-19 stuff that everybody else in the country is dealing with. And here in the state of Colorado, when they first decided to start uh, closing down businesses and only allowing essential businesses uh, operate, um, when the city of Denver was the first ones to start this before the even, gov- even before the governor stepped in, and the first day that he came out with this order that closed all businesses and things like that, um, he came back within 24 hours and amended that to include marijuana dispensaries and liquor stores as uh, being viewed as uh, essential businesses. And that really had me scratching my head because a lot of that you're dealing with, you're you're pandering to people's addictions. Um, You're also dealing with a very stressful situation for a lot of people, not knowing when they're going to get back to work, what they're going to be doing. A lot of people are finding themselves at home. And so you and I know from law enforcement experience, that's, uh, when you have people that are addicted to drugs and stuff like that, and then you have them put under a stressful situation and you're leaving that kind of stuff open to them, it, it's a, a very big opportunity for somebody to relapse. Um, so that's a lot um, that we're seeing right now. And, and we're going to be dealing with a lot of that when people start going back to work, right. um, you know, and I, Uh, I'm also seeing things now where we have a couple of states like Nevada is one of them where for pre-employment drug testing, an employer cannot um, do a drug test for marijuana with these individuals. Um, And because a lot of these people feel that they're not able to hire quality applicants because they feel that everybody's smoking weed. And we know that that's not, not the case. Um, A lot of it has to do with positions and how much you're paying people and, Unfortunately, you know, there, there are certain um, individuals that are more susceptible to this kind of stuff than others are. 
uh, especially when you're dealing with low income family and low income families and, and things like that. A lot of times, just because of the stress and everything else, they they deal they they look to chemicals and stuff like that to kind of relieve that stress. And so we're seeing a lot of that. But it led into employers not knowing what it looks like for somebody to be under the influence of marijuana. And let's face it, it's it's a lot different than when we first started in law enforcement, where you know, we would drive down the road and you have your window down, somebody drives by and you could smell weed emanating from the car and you'd flip around and lo and behold, these guys are all stoned. Well, now we're dealing with, you know, shatter and, and uh, all these edibles and different things that people are able to do, vaping. There's no smell, there's no scent or, or even any type of uh <sighs> instance where you're going to be able to even know that somebody is under the influence of this stuff unless you know what to look for. And so that's where this all came into and what my part of uh, the virtual summit's going to be is in teaching uh, business owners and those that are coming to the summit some basic signs and symptoms of impairment to look for with people that are under the influence of marijuana. Because I guarantee you a lot of people are still doing it. You know, and, and the deal that we do have some companies that uh, do not um, test for marijuana right now, unless it's a reasonable suspicion case or a post-accident, then they do. Uh, but they, they feel that they're able to get better quality applicants by not doing that. And it, it was a funny story real quick before we keep going on um, about an individual that uh, went and got hired by one of these companies. And then he came here to the office and walked in and, and I, I keep, Looking at this, and I'm thinking about uh, peanuts with Linus coming in or Pigpen coming in in this cloud, <laughs> following him. And this guy comes in, and I just about fall over from the cloud of marijuana that's following him. And he's here to take his pre-employment drug test. And I look at him, and I go, did you smoke weed on your way over here? And he goes, yeah, man, I was celebrating. These guys don't test for it. It's great. So it opens up a bigger problem for an employer to deal with when your employees are sitting here not thinking that, you know, it's not a big deal because you're not testing for it. So they're going to go ahead and smoke it. So that's, that's part of the problem that we're seeing right now. But a lot of it is these employers really do not know. And even some of our drug testing uh, providers um, have not experienced the signs and symptoms of impairment, especially with the way these guys are able to camouflage it with vaping and eating and, and, and doing the edibles and shatter and all this other stuff which is very high potency marijuana. And then you turn around and uh, somebody gets hurt and they're like, well, I had no clue. I didn't know that this person was even high because they didn't know what to look for. Right. Have, uh, you know, speaking of education, obviously, and having worked with you in the drug test collection business for, for a while, have you seen, or, or do you feel like that educational piece obviously is, is, wildly important for the employers that are out there for folks to understand what to look for because it, it, there's no assumption that people know exactly what they need to be looking for. Uh, from the education standpoint, do you also feel though that as a collector, um, as a collector trainer that you are as a certified trainer, that training your collectors to look for signs of 
uh, synthetic urine. Obviously, you see that come through pretty regularly. Oh, boy, you had to go there, didn't you? I did have to go there. <laughs> I did. Yeah, between the between the two uh, offices here, we, we usually get anywhere between five to ten specimens, sometimes a day. Now, with the coronavirus stuff, we maybe get one or two a day. Uh, so it's kind of cut down a little bit, but it was almost a daily recurrence. Um, but, you know, a lot of that and recognizing that comes from having been in law enforcement and having um, watched people's body language and stuff like that. And you cue in on certain things that individuals do that they don't even realize they're doing when they when they come in, like, you know, keeping their hands in their pockets or constantly touching a certain place or not sitting down. Um, or needing to use the restroom immediately before you can even start uh, the testing procedure with the paperwork and stuff like that. These guys are very anxious to get in here and get it done real quick. And those are all typical signs and symptoms of somebody that's trying to disguise that stuff. And so you kind of watch them a little bit more. But, you know, the biggest payoff for me has been having people that were brand new that we hired that came in here who didn't even have a clue on how to even see this stuff or even uh, pick up on signs and symptoms of impairment. And uh, one of our collector that's here in in, uh, the Denver office, his first day on his own doing collections, his second collection he got was a synthetic urine that he caught. So we know the things that we're teaching our collectors what to look for is working and, and he's incredible at doing this now. And, you know, and it's kind of like Stacy says, it's a payday for each one of them because sure. they realize the training that they got is, is real and that they, what they're queuing in in is real and they're, they're catching these guys. So um, that's, that's a huge payoff for me. And it, and it says, uh, it says a lot to our clients. We just had a client that called us this last week. It's a pretty large uh, company and they told us, they said, you know, Chuck, I don't know what the collection company did before you guys, um, but we're kind of scared because you guys have caught so many people giving you synthetic urine or being impaired. We think they just didn't know what to look for. And that's what's scary. And that's why we're doing this kind of stuff is because it's it's something that unless you've been taught or you've been shown what to look for, you're going to miss these things. Um, but your clients notice it too, especially when they start seeing us doing as much as we're doing and catching these guys. Now, you know, like this client is thinking, well, how many of these guys went un, un, uh, unnoticed before and were impaired until now we got somebody that knows what they're looking at and what they're looking for. Right. Well, and I, I think that harkens, you know, back to your philosophy from long ago, you know, as a school resource officer, as an educator at that time, and and really taking that passion and moving it forward. And that's why I was excited to interview you today was really getting to hear that passion that you have, not only for the business you do, the, the collection business itself, but the education piece of it. And that your passion really does come out. It's, it's very evident in how you, you help not only your, your own collectors, but other collectors, and certainly going out to these business communities and really supporting education for them as well in those signs and symptoms field and really getting to that mystery, you know, really unveiling, as, as you put it aptly in your title for this, uh, the webinars, the, 
the clearing the haze. And, and that's really how important that is for these folks to be able to see beyond the smoke and the mirrors um, and to really understand what's beyond it. And I, I think that you're, you're doing a huge service to the, the, the folks that join you for this in that and that they certainly will be appreciative of the education that they get from not only you, but certainly from the other speakers that you've employed for this, uh, for these interviews. I think it's going to be great. Well, and that's just it. it you're having our listeners are going to be, and those are going to attend the summit. You're going to get a different aspect of marijuana that you haven't had before. Uh, because each one of our speakers has specialized in certain areas. I mean, how many times have you been able have you heard that people will tell you repeatedly that, you know, marijuana is not an addictive drug? Well, we have somebody that's going to be there speaking that's going to tell you an exact opposite that's in recovery and has been uh, for a few years now. And now he teaches this, you know, or even having an undercover officer that's going to be able to come in there and say, look, I was in these businesses. And if they had just done a couple things, they would have been able to key in and notice what was going on in their own business. So you're going to be hearing things that you wouldn't normally hear. I mean, right now, CBD is a huge thing. And we've got the the leading expert from Canada that's going to be speaking on the subject of CBD. And she came down here to Denver, Troy, and uh, she went to some of these uh, stores like Walgreens and um, Walmart and stuff like that. And she was blown away as a pharmacist and everything else that, that she does that that we actually have this stuff on the shelves and people can just buy it without a prescription or anything else. <laughs> she was just, she was dumbfounded and it's not that because they can, they can get high from it by any means, but um, you know, it's going to affect them when they go and they have a drug test and stuff like that. You're going to come up positive for this stuff. There's, there's no uh, nothing in place right now that that's guiding these guys other than they're saying, you know, 3% of, if it's over 3% THC levels and you have to destroy the crop. Well, a lot of these guys, when they've done independent studies has shown that some of it doesn't even have CBD in it, but THC in it, you know? So there's no checks and balances to be able to ensure that the public is getting what they're supposed to be getting. So there's, there's a lot of good things that are coming out of this summit and uh, each one of them has their own area to specialize in. So I think that's, what's going to make this just a great opportunity. Absolutely. And so that, that leads me into my, my final question for you, which is really based on where things are at now, what do you see for the future? And specifically as it relates to the workplace, to you know that certainly that key, the drug use in the workplace, and more specifically the marijuana use in the workplace and how it's tested for, what do you see happening in the future, short term and long term? I think that it's going to be changing quite a bit. Uh, I think a lot of it is going to be in us uh, making sure that our clients are keeping ed- that we're keeping educating them, letting them know that this stuff is is coming out and making them aware of it because so much of it, it just isn't advertised or you don't really know about it until after it's passed through uh, the house and become law. Um, you know, I, I here's the bottom line. Let's let's be honest. At some point, marijuana is going to be uh, legalized. I mean, let's just face it. It's, it's coming. We're seeing it happening in a lot of other places. And, and we need to prepare now to understand how not only that's going to affect our businesses, but how it's going to affect you as an owner, operator, 
when you have so much liability and being able to detect this stuff or recognize that it's in your workplace so that you can, you know, stop something from happening before somebody gets hurt or, or uh, injured or gosh forbid somebody dies because of, of uh, impairment. And, and this happens all the time. You, you have people, we've, we've had post-accidents where we've gone out there to do a post-accident drug test with somebody and they know they're going to fail the test and they just, they refuse and they say, well, I'm, I'm done. Well, yeah, that person can walk away, but now what does that do to that business owner who, like me, started their business from their kitchen table and grew it to where it's at now, and somebody just walks away after possibly hurting or damaging property or leaving that that owner having to take care of the aftermath? That's the stuff that's got to change, and that's where we really need to focus is in helping these businesses be able to recognize the impairment because right now they don't think it's that big of a deal because we're legalizing it. I mean, a lot of them don't think CBD is a real big deal because you can go buy it at Walmart. You can buy it all over the place and uh, there's no repercussions or anything else. So what's the big deal? Um, But then you end up getting a letter that the military came out with just this last year saying that if you're just caught in mere possession of this, not using it, but just possession, you're going to get court-martialed and dishonorably discharged from the military. Well, that alone should tell you something. Something's going on. And so um, I think we become complacent and we just allowed it to happen, um, thinking that, you know, it must be okay if they're allowing all these laws to be passed and not understanding that it's the pro-marijuana groups and and the lobbyists that they've paid to uh, get these things to pass and to, minimize, you know, the harms of marijuana and what it will actually do to you. Well, I'm, I'm definitely excited for what this summit holds uh, into place. I, I think that, um, and I can say it best by saying, and, and certainly with, with no personal bias in place, um, <laughs> I would encourage anybody out there to, you know, if they know a business that could really benefit from this, they should be having them jump on board uh, because I I certainly think that this uh, summit is going to be of great benefit to companies and to owners, operators, uh, you know, specifically those folks that you just spoke about, those kitchen table folks all the way up to, you know, giant corporations that everybody has a, a stake in what they've grown and what they've created and that this should help them kind of understand how to navigate that part of the reality of having a business. And as, as daunting a, a challenge as it can be, I think that you're offering an opportunity uh, through education and through all these speakers to really kind of shed some light on some of those really, really dark areas uh, that, that people run into in businesses. So I'm super excited for you guys. And I, I, Again, I really enjoyed the opportunity to interview you today. I'll leave you with only one more question, and that'll be it. I promise I won't harass you any any more. So uh, the situational question is this. You just met a friend, and you're having lunch and catching up with them. What is the one book that you're reading right now that you would tell them that they just have to read? 
Well, you've, you've been listening to the podcast, so you know that's one of my favorite questions. So <laughs> I was kind of expecting you to at least hit on that. And, you know, it's kind of hard because I, I'm an avid reader. I, you know, I, I like Zig Ziglar a lot. And one of the things he talked about is when you're in your vehicle and you're traveling, especially as much as I do, that your vehicle becomes your rolling university. You can learn. There's people that have learned second languages and stuff just by driving and listening and stuff like that. So I do have a lot of audible books and then I have some, some other books. And, and the problem with my Kindle books is I end up having six of them that I'm reading all at different times, just depending on what <laughs> mood I'm in. Um, but uh, one of my, one of my favorite books that uh, I've been, I've read a couple times and you know what, it's a real short and easy uh, read is, um, the book by Ed Milet called Max Out Your Life and it's strategies for becoming an elite performer and uh, if you don't know much about Ed Milet he is a motivational speaker he's uh, gone and coached a lot of individuals you know everything from movie stars to sports uh, athletes to uh, entertainers you name it and this book is a real short read. It's only like 50 or 60 pages. You could get it read in a day. But the information that's in there is, is just incredible. And, and one of the, my favorite um, principles that he teaches in there is about blissful dissatisfaction. Um, saying that, you know, you can be happy with everything that you have, which I am, but you always want more that you're blissfully dissatisfied. You want to achieve more. And so you're going to go out and keep getting that. And he did a video on YouTube. If you look it up and you put in Ed Milet, blissful dissatisfaction. And if you listen to that, you'll want to read this book afterwards. And it is powerful. Well, so, I am, I'm officially encouraged. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's not, he's not a foo-foo guy. I mean, he's very, he, he's very intense. Um, and he's got a podcast. It's like the number three podcast in the world right now. Um, and this guy is doing this because he wants to help people. So, um, you know, I've given this book out to a lot of friends and, and people already just because it, it really encouraged me to realize that, that there's more in my life that I want and, and I can achieve it. And that's what I'm going to do. So yeah, if you, uh, go to Amazon, you can check out, uh, max out your life by Ed Milet and, and, uh, let me know what you guys think of it. But it's a great book. Fantastic. Well, obviously, A, again, thank you for the opportunity to interview you today. That oh, was yeah. a lot of fun. Yes, I enjoyed that. Was my first time being on the hot seat like that. So that's <laughs> nice. Well, and, and uh, just for the sake of your audience, let me say that I'm, I'm proud to be your friend. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you very much. And I, I need to end this way, and that is by acknowledging you and – um, the gratitude I have for not only you having uh, been in this business with me, um, but our friendship as well. And so uh, it goes a little bit deeper than a lot of people said, kind of like you mentioned at the beginning, you know, we made sure each other got home every night to our families. And that's, that's so the biggest true. thing. But the other thing is, is, is your character and your passion yourself to be not only a good example to your family and, and your girls and, and everybody else, but the way you live your life, um, you know, you, you live what you say you believe in. And that's a rarity for a lot of people these, these days is to do that. And so I am, I'm grateful to, to call you my brother from another mother and uh, <laughs> to have you in my life. So thank you for, for being there. I appreciate it. 
You are quite welcome. And again, thank you for this opportunity. This has been great. All right. Thanks, Troy. You're welcome. We'd like to thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Clearing the Haze with our virtual summit speaker, Chuck Marting. The Clearing the Haze virtual summit, Unmasking the Marijuana Camouflage, will take place on May 22nd, 2020. This event is being sponsored in part by Clearing the Haze podcast and on-site medical services. So please visit the Clearing the Haze website page for further information on the summit, our speakers and their backgrounds, as well as the topics and descriptions of each summit session. This is an exciting event and one we hope you'll attend. So with that, until our next episode, remember, it's your vision, it's your dream, and it's your business. Take care.